Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hey writers, this is Steph here, and welcome to another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. I know that we haven't had a podcast for a couple of weeks, and I am sorry about that, but I was quite busy with a deadline that sort of whooshed, what's that that phrase that we all love? You know, I love deadlines, I love the sound of them whooshing past, and that is basically what happened. I was rewriting this book that I'd written about four years ago and I'd unpublished and I thought now's the time I'm going to rewrite it and it doesn't need much work and it's going to take a week and you you know I could probably hear you all laughing at me from where you are. It did not take a week friends. It, It did not. It took four weeks I think to rewrite this book and I'm really really happy with how it turned out Uh, you know I'm so excited to see what people think and yeah I'm just it's really amazing to be able to give a book that didn't have the best start in life a new chance that that makes me feel really good but you know so now I'm quite behind and when I get behind I tend to just drop everything and focus on the book and so that meant that the podcast got pushed back but that's totally cool because we're back now and we're going to talk about some things what are we going to talk about well the first thing I thought I would mention is mentoring So if you don't know, I do author mentoring. So it's where I talk to awesome people like you, awesome writers. Um, We have a meeting every month. Um, You can either get a six-month package or a 12-month package, or you can just sort of... um, to, you know, mentor with just one strategy session or just one session about something really specific if you want to. And so, you know, this is like a one-on-one time with me. So you get to sit down, you get to pick my brains, I talk to you over Zoom, we talk about all the things. Um, It's really, really amazing if you, you know, so a lot of my clients, they are people who are going to self-publish for the first time and they want kind of someone to sort of hold their hand through the process or they are at a certain stage of their career and they're trying to push to the next stage and they kind of want to know, you know, what, what what is it I do next? You know, what's the next piece of the puzzle? And it's been really amazing. So I just wanted to let you know that I have got two spots left with mentoring. So and then, then what's going to happen is I close it completely and uh, I won't be opening again until the sort of the current clients have kind of pushed through the process. So two spots left. You can find all the details on my website under the work with Steph tab. Um, or just message me, Steph, at rageagainstthemanuscript.com if you want to know more about it. So that's mentoring. Uh, and then the thing that I thought we would have a chat, a little chatty chat about today is about diversifying your writing income and sort of what we mean when we talk about that, why it's a thing that you might want to do and different types of, or you know, sort of different ways that you can diversify your income as a writer. 
So I thought that would be kind of interesting. I hope I hope it is. But if not, then I guess I don't know. I guess you're turning off this podcast and reading a book, which is fine. So diversifying your writing income. So why would you want to do this? Now the main reason that we as writers might like to diversify our income and in fact when you talk to any writer who who writes for a living or you know who was writing as a, a massive part of um, the income that they bring in that you'll probably find that they are quite diversified that most writers um, are not relying solely on royalty you know one single type of royalty income in order to provide to provide their income and the reasons for that are numerous. One of them is that, um, you know, certainly in some genres, in you know, for some types of books, for some types of authors who you know can't write, can't do the kind of writing that would mean that um, self-publishing, you know, a book a month is kind of like a possibility for them. So. For some writers, it, it, it's, they're simply not able to produce a volume of work or the work that they produce in terms of their books is not on a market where they're going to earn enough money in order to sustain themselves as is. And that's perfectly fine. And to be honest, that's most writers. And that's that's fine. That's totally, that's totally rad. Um, but if that's you... Or if you think that's you and you want, you know, you want, you basically, you want the space to be able to do a bit more with your fiction work. Um, or, you know, if you want, you, you know, you're really happy with the books that you're putting out, but you, you just don't want to do your job anymore. You want your full-time income. You want to kind of explore other ways that you could earn a living. So that's kind of one reason is that. Often it can be hard for writers, we all know, we've all seen the surveys, we all know that often writers don't earn a lot of money, so it can be hard as writers to earn enough from a single source of income, but if you kind of cobble together lots of different sources, you can often end up with, with a pretty cool career. So that's one reason. And the other reason is that for a lot of writers, diversification can feel like a safety net. And have, have feeling safe is very important for, for most of us for our mental health. And what that means is if you're in a position where you, uh, you, know, you're, you rely on your writing income, whether it's because you're a full-time writer or because it's just you know, part of the contributions that you make to the household or whatever, if you rely on your writing income, being able to feel secure and, and safe about that money is really important for you to be able to to keep being creative and diversification can help not everyone but it can help some people to feel safe and I like things that feel safe and what that means is that you can feel as though well look if if this income source dries up then I know that I have this other income source 
So, for example, if for some reason my books are taken off a certain type of platform or I lose a certain type of market or my publisher says that they don't want to take my next book or, you know, a global pandemic happens and all my international speaking engagements get cancelled or something like that, then as a writer, you know if something happens that you've always got other sources of income to fall back on. And for for a lot of us, that safety is really important. So that's probably, I think, really the two, well I guess actually there's a third reason. The third reason that you might want to diversify your income as a writer is that it gives you, it, you know, it's interesting for you. You get to be creative over here and then you get to be creative in a different way over there. And if you enjoy lots of different types of creative work and types of writing work, then, then having a diverse income spread is gonna be awesome for you. So that's really cool. So I want to talk about the sort of the three types of income that you as a writer could be earning. And really this sort of comes from sort of the overall the kind of the creative market. So there are three types of income. Um, and one of them is creating a product that you sell once. And what I mean by that is, so a product is an item and you sell it once. Um, and for writers, an item is a piece of work. And the reason we sort of talk about this as a product is that for the, is at the end product, it's not so important how, how do I put this? How do I put this? For the purchaser of the product, the amount of work that has gone into the product is not a consideration that they have. What they're looking at when they're purchasing this product is simply, is it a thing that they want? And so often, you know, sometimes products might take you two minutes to write and you can sell them for a lot of money. And sometimes the opposite is true. Sometimes they can take you 20 hours to create, but you can only sell them for $50. So that's, that's one type of income, is a product that you can sell. And an example of that for a writer might be a um, is sort of any piece of work that you write and you can really only sell once. And maybe you could sell it a few times. So I, I'm sort of thinking about writing short stories to sell to magazines. That's kind of a good example of what I'm talking about here. You write this thing, you sell it to the magazine. The magazine doesn't care how long you've spent on it. All they care about is that finished product. Um, something like like making zines. Um it's kind of, yeah, kind of what I'm talking about really here. You know, you create the zine, you write the zine, you have to sell the zine, and then the zine's over, then you've got to make a new one. Um, other things like this might be if you were a speech writer, you were creating a speech, um, uh, kind of like a poet for hire, any kind of performance-based work, work is sort of comes in this a little bit as well. Some types of ghost writing, some types of things like that. So that's sort of what I'm talking about there. And you can kind of combine this with this second type of writing that I'm going to talk about, which is work for hire. And the reason I sort of separate these two things out is that work for hire or time for money is what I tend to call it, is, is because it's exactly that. This is writing work where you are effectively paid for your time to create words. Now, you 
so this is most types of freelancing work. So you may be charging on an hourly basis, or you may be charging on a per project basis, but your rate per project is based on how many hours you think it's going to take you to do that project. So effectively what you're doing is you are selling your time as a writer for income. And sim but similarly to the sort of product-based do daddy um product-based category shall we say time for money is a thing where you are you are you've got one single resource which is this block of time that you have and you can only sell that once once that time's gone it's gone once you have created that project and sold it you can't you usually can't sell it again so those are two types of common types of work then the third type of income for a writer is royalty-based income. And we all know what, what this sort of means. This is ebooks, audiobooks, um, indie books, um, traditional published books, anything where you are earning royalties off of your income. So, uh, sorry, anything where you are earning royalties off of a... Um, a book or a piece of work that you have written once and continue to sell again and again and again. So those are the three types of work. Now there's sort of a fourth category here um, as well and I think I'll call that writer adjacent things. So these are things that you do that sort of might fall a little bit outside of writing but they are connected to your writing. So this is things like applying for grants and residencies. Um, you know, I mean, yes, technically you're going to be writing on your residency, but the activity of doing the things you need to do in order to acquire that income is not sort of what we think of as writing. You know, it's writing an application, effectively. So... Grants and residencies, um, any type of funding that you apply for, scholarships, those kind of things. Um, speaking engagements, that's really common. Um, running panels um, for writers' events, this, all these kind of things. Um, so those are sort of the four types. And I, as I said, I think you'll find that most writers... Um, will use a combination of these of a lot of these things, and and also that a lot of these things will ebb and flow depending on the stage that you're at in your career and sort of where you're going and things like that. So, I thought I would talk to you a little bit about some of the the diversification that I use personally, and you you know why I do it and why I enjoy it and those kind of things. Um, and uh, maybe it'll give you some ideas, things like that as well. So, yay. Right, so, in the terms of, so I do, used to do, a lot of work for hire, a lot of freelance work. Um, I, when I first quit my day job and started writing full time, around 50% of the work that I did was freelance work. So I would effectively spend half of the week working solely on fiction and the other half of the week working on freelance work. And that was 2018. And prior to 2018, I had spent 10-ish years doing various levels of freelance work. 
when I started freelancing, I used to sort of roughly charge $25 an hour, which is terrifyingly low. But that was that was what I did. So I used to roughly kind of charge myself out at $25 an hour. So I would sort of say, well, I can write an article in an hour, so I'll charge 25 bucks for that article. And by the time I quit, I was trying to earn more like $75 to $100 per hour. So for every hour I put in, I wanted to get $75 to $100 back out. Um, types of freelance work that I did, I sort of started collecting work by posting on Etsy and I would post on the, the forums and I had a little shop where I sold kind of packages of copywriting services for Etsy shops and that was, yeah, that was that was literally how I started and so I, I did some really interesting projects for that, um, sort of mainly worked for people who did um sort of not one off not one off items but items they could remake again and again so kind of a lot a lot of things for jewelry makers a lot of things for um clothing designers bag designers those kind of things so I did I did that for a while and at the same time I ran a blog and that was sort of the heyday of blogging and because this blog was kind of like alternative fashion and heavy metal and things like that I ended up sort of through that blog I ended up with some other types of freelance work so I would write like a weekly post for this really popular gothic clothing company blog and they would actually pay me in clothing vouchers which was quite cool at the time it was it was a vibe um and so I actually ended up working for about three different types of sites like that, so sort of alternative fashion sites through my blog, which was which was quite fun, quite fun. Um, and yeah, and and I was really happy about that. So I was doing this sort of copywriting work, um, and then I got more into. I don't really know how it happened, but I ended up doing a lot of kind of sort of internet marketing blog posts and things like that I think because I was a blogger and so I would write blog posts about blogging and then that would get the attention of people um, I would also pitch articles about blogging to blogs about blogging which is a whole corner of the internet um, didn't you know so I was doing a lot of that and uh, the articles I wrote for those blogs got the attention of small business owners and uh, writers in the tech industry and I that's sort of the space where I ended up doing a lot of freelance work. So I, when I quit my day job I had lined up, I'd sort of spent the previous six months lining up freelance work largely for agencies here in New Zealand and I'd done that specifically because I didn't, I was really thing that's annoying about freelance work is the work is fine but I don't really personally like working with clients that much it's just the sort of all the back and forth all the time and I'm not really that organized and that was the thing that stressed me out a lot so I sort of just wanted someone else to do that and I would just write which is the thing that I know how to do so I yeah so I did a lot of work for agencies where they would literally just send me a list of can you write 10 articles about this thing and can you write this website for this person and this thing and they would deal with clients and it was perfect so I did that I've also done a little bit of ghostwriting 
um, mainly for a for someone that I met through my previous day job. Uh, and so I've been writing a non-fiction book for them. Uh, do not recommend, personally. Um, you know, love the person I'm, adore the person I'm writing for, totally. Um, the project is interesting, but it, it, you know, it relies a lot on interviews and things like that, which means it relies on their schedule, which means that it's been something like four years and this project still hasn't been finished yet. And I've only been paid for the first kind of 25% of it. So getting a little bit annoyed with that one, shall we say. Um, looks like blog posts, copywriting, all these kind of things. So that's, that's kind of work for hire. So I, over the last three years or so, I have been cutting way, way, way back, way back on this type of work. Basically, I will only do it if people contact me and the job sounds really interesting and I can fit it in. I have a bit of a problem in that I really struggle to say no to things, especially if I feel like a person really needs my help or if I, you know, I don't want to disappoint them. Um, you know, yeah, I really, really struggle to say, you know, if it's a really, if it's a cause I really believe in or something like that, I really struggle to say no to people. And I'm sort of trying to practice that a bit because the fact of the matter is that I am at a stage in my career now where I don't need as much of this work for hire and so any time that I spend not doing work that goes towards my royalty earning work is time that you know that, that sort of looking at it like if I do a work for hire project I might spend three hours and I get paid for those three hours of work if I spend those three hours working on a royalty earning project, then I won't get paid for that work right away, but once that project goes live, I will get paid for those three hours of work over and over again for the rest of my life. And so it's kind of this get paid once versus get paid many, many times all through the future. And I like the second one at the moment, so that's where I'm at. But sometimes you that's not where you're at. So that's kind of work for hire. Um, products, I have sort of been in this space a bit before as well, sort of writing based products. I've, you know, written speeches for people. I have definitely done the right things for a specific publication, which you then sort of can't really resell. Um, I would even call entering writing competitions where you have to write a specific thing. I would call that sort of in this category. Definitely done that before as well, so done a bit of that. Um, I also do a few things in the what I sort of call that writer adjacent income. So part of the way that I designed my career is that I wanted to be the type of writer who people you know, people asked to go to their events and I, you know, I wanted to be the type of writer who got to talk about their, their work and talk to other writers and kind of hang out in that space because I, you know, I, I love you guys. I think you're pretty awesome. So I've always wanted that to be a component of my career. So sort of over the last few years, I've been kind of looking at steering my career in that direction. So that means things like, 
you know, hiring people who can, hiring publicists who can pitch me to writers' festivals. Um, it means things like sort of researching the the ways that you could become a speaker or ways that you could become an expert in your local market. And I definitely recommend for this kind of thing starting a local because there are a lot of writing experts, there are a lot of marketing experts for writers, there are a lot of these types of people who do the international circuit. And if that's your goal, then that's awesome. But you can't sort of start there. Because if you're kind of going to those big international writers events and things and saying, look, well, you know, I teach Amazon ads or something, you it's going to be hard for you to get it. Like, why would they hire you when they could just hire one of the, the super Amazon ads experts that everyone knows about? Um, so that's the question that you have to answer. So one way to kind of build your expertise so that you can get on that bigger circuit is to start smaller. And so that's sort of what I did. I spent really the last couple of years, um, sort of definitely 2019, 2018, kind of focusing on New Zealand. You know, how do I get a little bit more well-known in New Zealand? So I was, you know, did some work in local media and, you know, did writers events around New Zealand and things like that and just sort of focused on getting a little bit more well-known. And I'm at the point now where I'm starting to get international, well, I was starting to get international invitations, which was incredible. And then COVID-19 happened. So that's kind of all gone on the back burner. So this is sort of, sort of it's one of those interesting things that we talk about when we talk about the importance of diversification, is that I had kind of designed my career around, you know, doing a bit of international travel and going to writers' events, um, you know, all over the world and things like that. And I had events lined up for 2020. Totally did. Um, and I was so excited about them. And then a big global pandemic happened. And now that part of my writing, my writing career, you know, that income stream is probably, probably a bit gone. It might come back might come back in the next, you know, might take five years or so before I get to that point again, just because we don't know what is actually going to happen with a lot of international writers events. But it's, yeah, that's it, kind of gone. And that's okay, because I had other things to fall back on. Um, and generally speaking, as well, generally speaking, for the writers market, speaking and things like that, it's not... It is, an, it is another income stream, but it's not as lucrative as other markets. You know, often when I do speaking, I'm doing a lot locally at the moment, which is so cool. Um, it's, it's awesome. But often when you do speaking, you know, I, I don't tend to take home, by the time I've done the traveling and I've, you know, kind of paid for other things that I'm going to do and, you know, things like that, often I won't take home more than a couple of hundred dollars that actually sort of is kind of profit in my pocket and that's okay that is I'm at the I am at the stage of my career where I'm okay with speaking 
not being a big income earner because it gives me other things you, you know it gives me a lot of creative pleasure and it lets me travel and I love to travel and it lets me meet other writers and talk to other writers and I love that so you know it's at the moment it's okay that that's not a, a, a big income earner. I do also have my online courses which I consider really a bit of a royalty paying thing it's not technically a royalty but you know I make them once and I can kind of sell them for, for a wee while and that after my fiction income my royalty based fiction income that's my second biggest income stream I think used to be freelance writing now it's um, Rage Against a Manuscript so that's that's pretty cool um there's other things here, you know, grants and residencies, I sort of thinking about maybe, you know, maybe maybe it's time to start thinking about applying for some residencies and thinking about that, but then COVID happened, so it's harder to travel to these things, so, you know, maybe, maybe in a few years I get on that buzz of maybe looking at some interesting overseas residencies I could maybe apply for, that'd be quite cool. Um, yeah, uh, no more ghostwriting for me, uh, pretty much done with that. No more work for hire, I don't think. I'm really focused around royalty-based income, so I don't get paid for my time, but I write a book, I put the book out in the world, and then I can earn royalties off of that sales of that book for the rest of my life. And that also means residual um, income streams from that that initial book. So you've got the book, you you know, you put that in the ebook, you put that in paperback, it's pretty easy to do. But then you've also got audiobooks, which is a an income stream I'm trying to grow at the moment. Struggling a bit, but giving it a go. You've got audiobooks. You have got um I mean for a start you've got you know, whether you go um, trade pub or whether you go indie, you know, you could do both um, and be hybrid, that gives you an additional income stream. Um, you can even think about income streams in terms of the different stores. So you've got Amazon, but you've also got Kobo and Apple and all these kind of things. You have translations, you have some of the other types of foreign rights. You know, I'm, I'm currently working on a project to sell game rights, which is quite exciting. So there's all these options within the kind of royalty space. Um, and even if you do nothing else apart from focus on that royalty-based income, you are still going to have you know, lots and lots of options for diversification there. There are other things that you, other kind of things that you can do, you know, a lot of authors will do, if you have a decent following, you could perhaps look at merch, uh, you could look at um, doing signed books, um, book bo boxes, um, all these kind of things where it's, you know, it's kind of creating products and creating buzz around your books and your world and your fans, and that would be really cool. So I think that's really all I wanted to talk about in terms of diversification. Just to say that I think if you are wanting to create a career as a writer, it's useful to think about the different types of ways that you're going to earn your income and the things that, the things that excite you potentially and the things that you definitely don't want to do. And, you know, that it's perfectly okay, especially in the, the early years, to kind of 
experiment and try different things and see what you enjoy and then you can kind of say you're definitely not wanting to do more of that um, I definitely think when you're thinking about diversification, it's a good idea to kind of look at your career as a perhaps starting out with more work for hire style work and moving towards a model where you're focusing more on royalty based work. And yeah, I think that's, to me, that's where the sweet spot is, is if you're moving or you're always moving towards that royalty-based work. Um, I think that's where, the, that's where the, the fun really is. So that's all from me this week. I hope you are having a good week. I hope your writing is going really well and I will be back next week with another podcast about something else to do with writing. Um, yeah, I would, it would be awesome if you wanted to hop on over to the website, um, join the mailing list, um, go to the Rage Against the Manuscript Facebook group, tell us how you're doing. I think that would be really cool. That's all from me. Happy publishing. <laughs>